This podcast is brought to you by ThamesCon, bringing conventions to Oxford and London, including the Great Conjunction, the first ever dark crystal convention in the world. For more information, visit their website at www.thegreatconjunction.com. Another world, another time, in the age of wonder. You are listening to Trial by Stone. Trial by Stone! Dea, Tea, Dara, Tea. Your vital essence, the dark crystal. Kida, Kida. Come, come, see for yourself. Aru, Garu. How very interesting. Dea, Tea. I feel the song of Thra in my heart! Now go, you heroes of Thra! Hello and welcome to Trial by Stone, the Dark Crystal podcast. I'm your host, Phil, and just want to say thank you so much for tuning into our show as we all talk all things Dark Crystal, um, especially with Age of Resistance. And actually, you know, this is our um second show back um i know we've had a bit of a break um uh, especially in september um i think and, and i think it was actually like probably the first break for the podcast in such a long time that i think um you know i think we all especially after the thrower thrower that i think we all just needed a bit of a break bit of a rest up and um you know get get revved up and get back into it um for october so you know again you know there's so much to talk about uh with the franchise especially with age resistance and uh yeah so much more and so i mean as always with me is my co-host um sydney so sydney welcome back you know it's you know it's been a while and uh yeah just want to know how have you been going i have awakened um we're back (laughs) from our our slumber we um, we took a break to go traverse the heavens like Agra, and now we're back. And I've seen many things, um, some good, most bad, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But now I'm ready to talk about up. Um, no, I'm do- I'm doing pretty good. I'm with with each passing week. Um, I California is less on fire. Things are get- mellowing out a little bit on that front. So. Um, I can finally sit and record and not have to worry about air quality. So I'm, I'm very excited to begin our, our sort of new chapter by talking about Hup because he's just everyone's favorite potato right now. Oh, yes. Yeah. Our um, brother, Peladin, um, of course. So, uh, yeah. And as for myself, yeah, it's just um, it's, it, it, it has actually it was actually good just to have a bit of a break um, because, I mean, not only from the throwathon, but um, also sort of like personal life. Sort of, you know, I had a few things going on, um, especially in the early weeks of September that I just, um, I think it's just like, nah, I think I just need to just have a bit of a break. Um, and uh, like, I was actually really surprised, like um, even this year, that we somehow got through, you know, bringing out podcasts on a weekly basis, um, which is, you know, uh such an amazing feat that we're you know able to do with um with trial by stone but i mean with a show with age resistance there's just so much to talk about um that you know even even if we went kept doing it as a weekly show there's there's still so much to cover um so and this is our second show back of course if you, you might have heard the previous episode of 
um, trial by stone uh, with Jamie. He chatted to um, some of the people behind uh, Weta, um, talking about the um, the, act, the the figures actually. And um, so, uh, I, I mean, I haven't heard of them. So, but like, I mean, by the time you know these episodes are out, I, I would have li- listened to it by now. So, um, but yeah, I've heard great things about the episode actually. So um definitely check that out and um yeah so it's just it's just um you know good to be back and um yeah we really wanted to continue our um character discussions and i think we'll start off with hop um but also i wanted to give a little update about the podcast that um you know as we sort of had a bit of a break in september uh we decided to actually release the podcast on a fortnightly basis um so just just it's just mainly just to give us a lot more time to um uh to work on the episodes and um more time to schedule things out in the future so um but again you know we still got a lot to look forward to it regardless so um lots of lots of dark crystal chatter that's for sure yeah that also gives uh, our listeners more time to get hyped and more time to catch up on everything they might need for the for the following episodes so um, it's going to be mutually beneficial, I think. So, yeah, I think so too. Yeah. And, uh, you know, of course, you know, if anything groundbreaking news sort of pops out of nowhere, we'll, we'll definitely do our best to try and, re- you know, quickly record those sort of shows every now and then, um, as we've done in the past, um, especially with the, um, I think the age of resistance trailer when that first came out, um, I actually remember, I think I was actually on my phone recording it with Jamie and, and, um, and Ethan last year. Um, just because I didn't, you know, wasn't near a computer at the time. So that, that was kind of fun, you know, uh, with moments like that. Um, and of course, I mean, for those, uh, wondering as, uh, we're, we're actually recording this, um, the day before the Emmys. <laughs> so we actually don't, I know. So it's, we, we're wishing Dark Crystal, you know, everyone, Jim Henson company, the best of luck. Um, but yeah, as of this recording, we, we're re- actually recording it the day before, um, the Emmys. So like, so apologies if, you know, if we don't know, you know, who won, you know, as of this recording, but um, yeah, fingers crossed uh, indeed. Yeah. Yeah. So everyone listening right now is either like depressed about it or they're, or they're <laughs> like, hey, 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 they're going to be so excited tomorrow. Like if you're yeah. listening from the future and you're awaiting our massive reaction, because we're definitely going to be freaking out one way or another tomorrow. Um, yes, but exactly. Yeah. 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 Fingers yeah. crossed. So no, it's all. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Alrighty, so um, I guess you know let let's let's start off with the discussion on Hup um, uh, strives to become a paladin. I I, I don't know. I'm, I might I might start off with you, Cindy. Just I know what, what you know. What is it that you loved about um, about Hup throughout um, the Dark Crystal Age of Resistance? I guess the the most natural place for me to start when I talk about Hup is how surprised I was by how instantaneously I fell in love with him because when they first revealed the promotional pictures of the characters before we had a trailer um, and we first got our glimpse of Hup with just that one picture of the puppet, I think, um, you know, speaking for myself and I know from a few of the, the other fans that I had talked with at the time, a lot of us kind of felt like, oh, they, they wrote this podling character in to probably be like comic relief He's probably going to be kind of like a Spicoli character where he's just kind of bumbling and, 
kind of dumb the whole time, like, you know, meant for, for laughs and kind of lightheartedness. I don't think any of us were ready for how actually poignant and deep and relevant um, Hup was going to be. Uh, I'm sure that, you know, I'm kind of preemptively stepping on Jamie's toes a little bit when we get him back to talk about him some more, because he, he's, I'm sure, has so much to say about the importance of Hup that right now. But, you know, just to kind of touch on that, the fact that I had these expectations at first, you know, a lot of us made the joke, like I remember Ethan and I made the joke uh, that Hup kind of looked like a stoner, like he had those kind of half-lidded eyes. He just kind of looked like, hey, man, I'm a podling. Uh, and yeah, <laughs> no, yeah. I, I, I remember those, those promotional. I think that was like the photo when he was in um, uh, the Circle of the Seven Suns. I think that promotional photo with him and um, he had Rian, Deaton, Brea. Yeah. Um, that, that particular image was probably not the best image of... Uh, <laughs> of uh of our little uh podling yeah because um, um, yeah, he was yeah. he was not uh feeling well as we later learned he was you know not yes feeling exactly yes 100 percent that day but, <laughs> but we all kind of interpreted that um that picture as he was kind of like like he got some stoner vibes a little bit from him and, yeah <laughs> um and it just completely uh blasted those expectations in episode two when we meet him because right off the bat he's so genuine and 100 percent of sound mind <laughs> um and so, so full of love and and so much more than just uh comedic relief he he wasn't just you know bumbling and because a lot of the time characters like that that are just kind of there to be funny end up taking away from the tone of the series otherwise and kind of dumb it down sometimes and I would have been really disappointed. I think a lot of fans would have been really disappointed if they had kind of thrown away a character like that just to be silly, just to kind of appease the kids. You know what I mean? Like just to for chuckles and lightheartedness when at its core, this franchise does need to be kind of dark and serious. And <laughs> um, so it was nice that while, yes, he did provide, Hup does provide a lot of comedy to the tone. It's not in such a way that detracts from the overall message. He's such an important part of their party. He is every bit a paladin. He is not just, um, it's not just a joke, you know? It's it's not a joke that he wants to be a paladin. We 100% are with him in the fact that he's going to be a paladin and we believe in him. It's not just like, oh, cute kid has a spoon, he thinks he's a paladin. We'll, we'll humor him, pat pat, but it's not like that at all. Like, it's totally genuine. We we are fighting alongside Hup and we cheer for him as we watch it. It's amazing. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and like, I, I think with Hup, like, I think he was, he was definitely a, a surprise character. Even, even for myself, like, um, I don't know. I, yeah, I mean, even though, yeah, we had heard that he was sort of going to be the, the you know, the, sort of the comedic or, you know, I know there was concerns. So, oh, he's just going to be the sort of the Jar Jar of the Dark Crystal sort of thing. Wow. Um, but the fact that, that he wasn't, and there was like so many um, layers to this character. And and also he is a much different pod, you know, you know, compared to like you, you, your very typical podling characters that sort of run amok or they're very mischievous or just doing silly things, you know, throwing, you know, mud at each other. Um or, or partying and that sort of thing but he's a very different podling character um you know to all the other you know characters that we've seen um and and i think the thing with harp is um that he he was such an important character because he was the one that sort of i mean without harp i mean who knows 
what might have happened with Deet, you know, getting lost, trying to find her way to um to hurrah. Yeah, she would have followed the moon and not the stars. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I know, and just gone a completely other direction. Yeah, yeah. not to mention saving yeah. her from the spitter right off the bat as well. And oh, that too. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. He so. provides so much heart and soul to the group. You know, in every episode after that too, is he is so crucial. And then also, you know, she has to take her trip to Stone in the Wood to rescue Hup, and that's another gigantic um, character milestone when she rescues Hup and they have those moments and I just he's so important he's a lot of the time when you look at those characters I kind of hate to use Jar Jar as an example because I'm one of the few that actually has childhood fondness for Jar Jar but I 100% what you mean I totally get what you mean though like a lot of people view him as sort of a throwaway character that you know you could have taken him out of the franchise and the overall story would have been the same even though I, I disagree with that too, but, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, especially Hub, coming, especially coming from episode two that, yeah. you know, it, it is very interesting how Jar Jar sort of becomes the, the one, the, yeah. <laughs> the one being responsible for, um, you know, for giving Palpatine those, um, emergency, <laughs> emergency powers. powers. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, absolutely. But anyway, <laughs> tangent aside, Hup is yep. <laughs> definitely not one of those characters that you could remove him you know, and and the plot would still ultimately be the same. That's not true at all in this case. He's a hundred percent, every bit as crucial to the happenings of this franchise um, as the Gelfling are, and and he plays an important role, like everyone everyone else in the in the main party does. He's every bit as important as Rian or Bria, Brea or Deet, um, and also I think he teaches us as as viewers as an audience he's sort of our our eyes in a way because um he goes through things that we can relate to as humans and um and also kind of because we're not we're not yelfling and we have a, there's a little bit of a learning curve you know as we are sort of figuring things out about the world and um i think that's true of all of the main characters they have their blind spots and their things that they're learning about as they go through the events of the series and we learn through them and that's very much true of Hup just as much as it's true of Deet just he's learning different lessons um and I think when we first meet him that's very evident in the fact that right off the bat he and Deet speak different languages and we talked about about this in the Deet episode but you know it it bears repeating that there is a language barrier um with Hup and the other Gelfling. And um, that doesn't get in the way. It's not really a barrier. Like we call it a language barrier because they speak different languages, but at the end of the day, it doesn't keep them from communicating. It doesn't keep them from fighting the same battles and from trusting one another and how important of a message that is right now for us to be able to put trust in somebody else, even though they might come from somebody somewhere drastically different than you and have a different background and a different lens and a different language but you can still raise your your sword alongside them or your spoon in this case yeah and i mean that that's the thing like especially with the you know the, the performance from victor yared um you know he did such an amazing job and especially like um you know the fact that a good chunk of the dialogue was in podling and you know he had to remember all, all you know all you know speaking in in the podling language and um i love that sort of story about how you know joe joe would actually you know write um uh, jm lee who you know wrote the young adult novels 
um, you know, created the language for the podlings and, um, you know, he would probably, you know, they probably had an English version of what, what Hup was saying, but it's like, oh, translate it to, you know, what would a podling language would be? And he would sort of translate that in that way and then give that to uh, Victor or whatever the process may be. Um, but that, that was such, you know, that would have been such a challenge, you know, to, to getting, um, you know, the podling language um, right. Um, even though it's kind of a weird thing that it's like, well, there, there isn't like, you know, an official, you know, to, a podling language, you know, out on the internet um, to, to follow, you know, much like, you know, other fictional languages that exist, you know, like you, I'm, I'm presuming Klingon, Kl yeah, Elvish and Klingon and um, many, probably many other languages that are out there that are, you know, that, that are accessible for people. Um, and again, I, I still would love to get that um, podling translation it's one of those things I'm like, I would love to know what, what Hup is saying in There's a couple, there's always a couple of moments where it's like, I'd love to know what he's actually saying. But at the same time, it's sort of like, there is a bit of mystery to it. Like, it's like, oh, you know, just, just keep it open, you know, keep it, you know. Um, well, it also reinforces kind of so, that message yeah. too. Like the, the other girlfriend don't know what he's saying either at that point, but it doesn't matter. They, they still are able to be his friend and his companions and, um, his cohorts, despite the fact that they don't always understand what he's saying. And that sort of puts us in that same position that we don't always have to understand verbally everything that he says to still understand his heart and what his intent most likely is. And to a hundred percent be on his side. Like, I don't know exactly what he said, but I agree hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, I know it just, it just made me think about, um, like there wasn't any, was it the, the Rosetta Stone sort of version where it's like, here's the language by Gelfling and then Podling and, and Skeksis, or even Skeksis if you want to go hardcore like that. Um, yeah, to try and work out what, what, what they're saying and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I mean, you know, um, yeah, he, he, he was just such a very interesting character and I, I just love the journey that um that he went through with date um you know i mean not only with saving date from the arathum um but also i mean really the big moment i think for him that that really stood out for me is um when they went to stone in the wood having some drinks have a bit of a break and then um you know what you know date's trying to you know get along with these other uh gelfling and you know they sort of mock her and you know um tease her and and push her off um off her chair and you know that's when you know Hup Hup goes super saiyan basically oh yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> and i uh, know uh, i was actually wondering it was like whether like his anger was like he, he had like too many drinks in him to like you know i'm gonna start beat, beating these um <laughs> the, these gelflings but at the same time then you know he the whole thing with him is about protecting pretty much protect anyone you know because he he's he's inspired to become a paladin to protect people essentially i mean ultimately he wanted to protect you know to be the protector of the old Mordra. but i think i i guess him you know protecting deed was sort of like his first task or you know just sort of like it, it, it's it, i guess for him it was like a warm-up sort of thing you know so once he saw you know things going on He's like, no, I'm, I'm gonna take the, I'm gonna take action. Yeah, that was training. Um, it was good yeah, paladin training. Get all fired up. Yeah. Especially yeah. since Deet also is the embodiment of innocence too. Deet is so, so, so innocent, and I think Hup picks up on that right away. And you know, a lot of there are some varying opinions about the prequel comics uh, right now, but 
you know, to kind of touch on the, the comics about Hup and, and Barfinius, um, we do learn a little bit of context about how Hup's adventures pri- previously basically took place right before we meet him in the show. And um, he gets kind of, he learns a lesson on deception and dishonesty and how, you know, people need to have their trust earned and how people can be um, dishonest to get their way or to get ahead. And I think having just recently learned lessons about that through Barfinius, Hup is extra empathetic to the fact that he recognizes indeed right away this is this is a being that would never betray their friend this is someone who doesn't understand what it means to lie this is somebody who's just pure innocence is just learning about the world around her and she doesn't have a dishonest bone in her body and i think that's why hup gravitates toward deet and loves her like immediately because she's so pure and would never be disloyal or dishonest in any way and i think hub has strong opinions about that oh yeah especially like i mean yeah as you see with like with harp like he doesn't necessarily get along with um with galflings um himself and i think um yeah yeah like you said yeah i, I know exactly and you see you get to you get a little bit of that you know with the comics of sort of the deception and just um uh yeah like after the events that happen with him uh with barfinius that he's a bit you know cautious it's like mm, you know can't trust every galfling or, or whatnot but um but yeah it wasn't until like meeting date and i mean even he knew um soon after that you know that that she's a grotten um especially you know when he's <laughs> you know oh you know, i'll pretend to be vaporing galfling you know no 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 gotten g different g yeah you know? it's yeah. like and he sees no good yeah and he, and and i think that yeah. moment where he goes super saiyan in stone in the wood is because he recognizes that um the potential for i guess for lack of a better word racism and you know and for discrimination that is in the in the gelfling culture at this point he recognizes that it doesn't just happen to him because he's a podling. It also happens to other Gelfling. And so he connects with Deet in that level where it's like, it doesn't matter that she's a Gelfling too. She's still, I know how she's feeling. Like he understands what she's going through because he's gone through it himself. Um, so there's, there's that connection as well. He sees in her the potential for the Gelfling to learn the bigger lesson about equality and about um respecting each other yeah absolutely yeah yeah and um yeah so it's like there, there's just so many moments um and i mean as we sort of went you know for you know after he went into the rascal hole um and then being saved by deet um again it's another great moment you know with him just singing singing i want a full <laughs> version of that song and, like i kind of wish yeah, on know, the soundtrack yeah. we had gotten a full fully orchestrated unedited version of Hup singing that song from beginning to end because it's it's really cute and it's not just cute it's beautiful it's pretty and and you know he's we hear sort of a silly version of it you know when he gets mad and they they tell him hey cut that out and he so he starts singing louder to try to you know get him riled up and be like I'm gonna do what I want um yeah and and, (laughs) and just sort of thinking about the voice because I think originally his voice was a 
going to be a little bit higher pitch actually i think and then it wasn't until in post-production that uh with the adr that i think they decided to you know tone down the voice you know a bit um that sort of thing so i loved how like the star you know he's singing this beautiful song and then yeah then he's like ah, da, 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 you know? yeah and victor has <laughs> yeah. a beautiful voice i don't think mm. enough people oh, talk yeah, about yeah. how he's he's got a nice little set of pipes on him there and i would love to have heard more hup singing so in addition to those like learn podling with hup videos i kind of wish we, we could get some like i don't know like an album of like hup sings like like music by Hup, I totally. Who would not buy that? That's wonderful. It I should know, be music I know. videos. I mean, I, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and like you could easily, um, I mean, especially with like all the songs that Joe's written throughout the books. It's like you know you could easily, like there's enough songs like through his books that you could actually make like a an album if you really wanted to, um, like you know. Yeah, songs from Harp or Hup even Kylan as well. Yeah, hey, yeah, the Hup, Hup along. <laughs> See now, why why are we not? Yeah, get, get into for this them? Henson company. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's so many amazing ideas brewing in this fandom that's just untapped brilliance. Come on now, um, but yeah, I mean, all that just to say that you know that scene really shows off uh, Victor's range for sure. Um, he's he's an amazing puppeteer but also a great voice actor as well like he's he's just got the full package i'm so glad that we were able to have him on the show and it always makes me happy to see him pop up and interact in the groups um you know because he's he's a fan right along with the rest of us he's not just an artist he's not just the talent he's he's one of us and that's i think another one of the great things about this franchise and um recent years there's been a lot of involvement in the fans and uh you know the the author quest how we got jm lee as a you know he was a fan to begin with and and then when we look at even uh taryn uh voice of rian he, he geeks out so much about the dark crystal in you know all of his interviews oh, and yeah, that documentary yeah, yeah he's a huge oh, yeah, fan absolutely. and he's a gigantic like oscar nominated star at this point right and he's <laughs> yeah. but he's a total nerd like we are and and um i just i love how many examples of that we have in the, the people that are involved in this and hup is just like one of us because victor's one of us a hundred percent yeah exactly yeah yeah exactly yeah um yeah it just and even like even some moments where um i think in episode five um you know when when hup is really down and you know scared scared for date and you know and felt bad that you know about protect you know i guess the fear of not being able to protect date um and doubting then, himself you know, yeah doubting himself yeah exactly and and you know just seeing the tears you know down his face it's just like wow you know it's it it is really sad but it's just like just a performance that they're able to to do you know like with character you know can you imagine like a puzzling character can actually like make us feel you know like cry or make us like feel sad like you know like because that's the thing like puzzlings and dark crystal were always just you know they're the muppety kind of characters but to have a character like Harp that brings in so many layers, you know, beyond what we knew of a puzzling character, you know, before Age of Resistance is, um, 
it is mind blowing. It, it, like it's yeah, yeah and then to like intercontextualize as well. It it gives us I think another layer of Kira's character in the movie because as you said up until we meet Hup, our idea of podlings is very simplified. We've only really seen them as kind of dozers from Fraggle Rock. You know, they're just kind of muppeting around and, you know, having parties and speaking their language and being cute and being fun and lighthearted. But these are the creatures who raised Kira. And Kira is very cultured and very, um, you know, as cultured as she can be growing up underground. And, you know, she has a good understanding of language and of nature and the world around her. And these are all things she had to learn from somewhere. And getting a character like Hup shows us that Podling are very much capable of something bigger and more layered and more multifaceted than just the cute little guys who bang on the drums and you know, have these rad parties. <laughs> it's they're they're so much more. They have they have souls as well because these are people who are capable of raising a character as amazing as Kira. And I really kind of hope you know a lot. This was a comment that came up in the in a recent discussion about Hup on the Crystal Shard group. But I, and I'm inclined to agree. A lot of people spend a lot of time theorizing about who Jen and Kira's parents are. But rather than focusing on that, I'm kind of interested to know if there's a connection from Hup to the events of the film and particularly to Kira and how Kira's closeness to the podlings and the podling culture. And, and I'm wondering if, you know, there's some sort of important connection there where Hup is bridging a sort of gap between the Gelfling and the podling, who typically podling are used as like, helpers and you know for not not to say slaves because that's how the Skeksis use them but you know like they're 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 like little worker bees basically and um you know they they're not really interconnected in in their culture so much um more so in like the Spriten you know they they work and they they serve a purpose like agriculturally and like economically but as far as like connecting on a spiritual level like between podling and gelfling hup shows us that that's possible and sort of gives us a hint at later on what what i guess kira must be experiencing yeah i mean thinking about all these things i i had a thought about like what happened you know what might happen with with you know baby kira and whether hup is actually like sort of become actually was like the father figure i mean of course in the dark crystal we only know um yidri yidra um it was kira's you know the the podling mother that sort of thing but now i'm, I'm really curious if hup becomes like the podling father even though we don't see that right in, you know of course with the film but or even if he's just the one like, who delivers but, but for her. me knowing yeah 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 exactly i yeah like i think that would be that would i i think that actually be bridging bridging it to the film more you know um and like you know kira growing up i just imagine all these stories like you know kira growing up and then you know with uncle hop um hop's telling him story with uncle hop and <laughs> hop's telling the stories about himself and during the age of resistance and and probably that story with him and bar phineas and, oh my goodness um <laughs> yeah dude and i'm yeah. you know kira is you know and jamie will agree with me on this kira is one of my favorite characters of you know any franchise she's my princess um 
you know, I named my cat after her and I've considered naming a human child after her. I, just, I love Kira so much. So the thought of, um, of Hup being Uncle Hup to Kira and like reading her stories and like teaching her about things. Um, yeah, because I mean, at the same time, you know, I have to be a little bit hesitant to believe that something like that would happen because of, I think Kira would have more knowledge about the past if Hup were raising her. I think she might know a little more than she does. But that being said, she still does know more than Jen. So... I mean, she, she doesn't un, she doesn't know, like, the Gelfling writing, you know, the, the prophecy. Um, she couldn't read that. Uh, but Jen could. But I feel um, like any understanding yeah, she just, has yeah. about, like, dream fasting, like, how would she know what dream fasting is and that it's called that? How would she? How would she know that? Well, I, and that's the thing. It's like we actually—I don't think we actually know if podlings can dream fast. I mean, it's—it's it's implied that it's an inherent Gelfling trait, and that Gelfling can do it with other things other than other Gelfling. But I don't think that non-Gelfling can initiate the dream fasting process. That—that that, I don't think that. But that we've gotten anything that tells us that so far. But no, because I think in creation myths, I know the Gelflings taught Olga dream fasting. But then again, with Olga being the mother of Thra, then I think, you know, for her to be able to dream, well, she can dream space essentially. Yeah. So it's safe to yeah, assume the, that it's more all, all the powers. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That it's that it's not something that's inherently a part of podling culture because, you know, we don't see them doing it. And it, it yeah. seems well, to they're be... Not, yeah, not the closest to Thra, right, yeah. inherent to Gelfling culture. But that being said, then, how does Kira know? Because she fully knows what dream fasting is. And it would stand to reason that Jen would know about that already because he was raised by mystics. And I think mystics would know about dream fasting, but they didn't teach Jen about it. But Kira, who's raised by podlings, she knows what dream fasting is. She, she absolutely knows and um, oh yeah because yeah because even jen yeah you know when they first touched hands and he's like you know what what what's this thing that we're yeah, doing and she schools him on it and so yeah, <laughs> yeah we dream fasting share our memories and he's like oh look at me i'm having a bath so what if <laughs> hup crazy hot take theory what if hup teaches kira about dream fasting because of his experiences with the other you know with the other gelfling during age of resistance and that's a short film at least that i totally want to see of hup teaching kira how to dream fast ah. it, it, it would <laughs> it would have actually been cool if he if he if he was able to participate in the dream space but it makes sense for him to not be too involved i mean more because while well, you know he's protecting date he's making sure that the um the dream space sort of goes through fine right. you know for date to not get interrupted yeah um, but it is something, yeah, yeah, it is. He still sees a, it happen multiple yeah. times. Oh, like yeah, yeah. He, he witnesses it enough. And then also like the dream stitching, the dream etching, like he sees what the Gelfling are capable of well enough to be able to educate about their culture in a way that I don't think the other podlings would have necessarily been able to do. Um, I mean, we, we know that the podlings interact with Gelfling in general, but again, it's not really an intercultural interaction so much as just kind of a necessity um, and a mutually beneficial, like, economical thing, not necessarily a cultural thing or a spiritual thing. So 
I, I think it would have to be a character like Hup to bridge that gap for Kira. So I just, that's just a, a wonderful theory that I really hope we get some sort of truth to. And I'm a little more excited about that than I am about, like, for sure getting an answer of, you know, who is Kira's mom? You know, is it Celadon? Is it Brea? Like, like that's cool and all, but I don't necessarily need to know that. Whereas Hup, I'm like, I want to know what happens to him. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, you know, think of like all these other moments, um, you know, especially, uh, I mean, especially, you know, towards the end, how he got injured from Skekmal, um, and that pretty much from episode seven onwards, he was sort of very out of action. Like he was just stuck at the circle of the seven suns healing up. Um, and I think, you know, by the end of that, you know, we want to know, you know, what happens to Hop next? Like, does he get out of the circle of the seven suns? Does he get law activates law to help him get out there? Or it's, um, I think there's still like, you know, if we get this other season, hopefully, <laughs> um, if we do get more, more age resistance, um, I love, I, I think there's still, um, a lot of stuff for, for Hup. Um, because I mean, that's, that's the thing. Like his whole arc was wanting to become the paladin, you know, to protect the old Mordra um while he wasn't able to do it with um you know with Mordra Mayan but I'm curious if he's going to be the you know protects whoever's going to be the new Mordra whether it is I don't know if it's going to be Saladon or, or whether it could even be Brea might end up being the Mordra well plus he and, doesn't uh, know what's happening yeah. with Deet either like how the ending with Deet and we know that if Hup you know when Hup finds out what happened to Deet, he's not going to care about anything else more than that. He's going to be single-minded in helping Deet and saving Deet. So whatever happens with Hub has to be directly correlated to that with like kind of joining forces with Rian to figure out how to save Deet. I don't think there's anything Hub cares more about than that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wherever it's like, you know, protecting Mordras is like uh, you know my priorities you know with with you know people that or galflings I've been closest to and that's that's deep um so I guess that makes sense in a way yeah yeah but also I would love I would love to see um Hop in a paladin outfit like <laughs> it's that's another thing it's like you know just just to have that pay off like or like just shots of him putting the, the you know the, the paladin suit on you know that you see in so many other and like he's given you know, a sword preparing for war he, like they <laughs> yeah. give him a sword but he chooses to an actual sword to not use it like he'd rather just keep his spoon or he gets like a really good spoon or he gets like a sword that has a spoon for a hilt like he can't you can't disconnect him from the spoon like it's it's too iconic at this point that I imagine that even if he gets a sword later, he's still going to prefer the spoon somehow. Um, something kind of interesting. Oh, it's like the shape. That, yeah, yeah. I was think, thinking like the, the shape can like transform into like a sword, but then it can revert back to to, to a spoon. So yeah, yeah. Because I mean, that's the thing because that, that was the thing with his background um, that yeah, he, he is a, well, his background was as a cook actually. So yeah. Um, Actually, and that'd be another cool moment if if there was like a, a I don't know a celebration scene, and you know they're all eating and drinking, and he's actually in the kitchen, you know, with his. Spoon it's a Hop and Kylan. Something new. <laughs> Hop and Kylan, exactly. Yeah, yeah. 
uh, yeah. just like collaborating so, know, on a on a wonderful yeah. soup. <laughs> yeah, yeah, wonderful broth. Absolutely, um. <laughs> broth with potatoes. Oh, yes, indeed. The the other interesting thing is um somebody brought up recently in the crystal shard as well about there's something called a spoon theory that some listeners might be familiar with that is something that is uh, usually in pertain pertaining to people who struggle with an underlying illness of some kind, like an invisible illness, like a chronic pain, fibromyalgia, or mental illness or depression or things like that. You say like you look at the tasks you have in your life and in your daily life and you equate them to how many spoons you have. So like getting out of bed costs me one spoon because you know, it's hard for me to get out of bed. Okay, next step is I have to take a shower that costs two or three spoons. And then by the end of the day, how many spoons do I have left to, to, you know, to just get through whatever else I have going on? And it's sort of the shorthand for saying like, this is how much energy or how much mental or physical wellness I have left over to, to accomplish tasks. It's like, you know, so if somebody says, hey, can you come to this party tonight? You say, I'm sorry, I don't have the spoons for that right now. Like it's, it's um it's terminology for that sort of community right now and when somebody brought that up and so um they think they i can't remember who it was at that i would have to look at it right you know in front of me but this person that was bringing that up was saying i think it's really interesting because this person who posted it struggles with fibromyalgia which is very painful like a chronic pain illness and she said hup is sort of like the uh, mascot for those of us who are fighting battles every day um, that other people might not be aware of. You know, it's an invisible battle that we're fighting just by getting out of bed in the morning. Hup is sort of the representation and the, the mascot for us to, he's our hero. And the spoon is like a perfect symbolism for that. And I thought, when I read that, I was like, that's so beautiful. That is amazing. <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't have put that together on my own, but it's accurate because it's something I've heard and something I've said, like, oh, I don't have the spoons for that today, man. I'm going to think about that later. And, um, but people with, with chronic illnesses or invisible, invisible battles that they're fighting every day, HUP is absolutely the perfect mascot for that community. And I just, and the spoon, just the symbolism of the spoon, like this is your sword. This is your weapon. Um, amazing. Just HUP's the best, man. He's the best. Oh, uh, totally. Yeah. Um, I think that's a great thing. Like with, with characters, how, you know, we like, we can take these characters in, you know, there's so many layers that we can have our own sort of our own takes on the characters. And that example with Hub, that, that is such a, uh, a brilliant example. Um, you know, that, you know, of course, you know, it, it wasn't something, oh, you know, in, intended to be that way, but you know, it, it is cool that, when we have our own different takes of the character that just um, really enhances the experiences like of, of watching this show like so much more, um, you know, especially for, you know, for myself, like I always um, uh, thought of, you know, Jen, I, you know, related to Jen because, um, because of, of myself having autism and that um, the, the way that Jen spoke is very simple English. And that's the way that I sort of spoke sort of growing up um and and uh, i know there's like not not only for dark crystal but also from you know with any stories i guess with lots of different characters that you know there's always something that you can make a personal connection to 
um i think that's what makes like things like dark crystal is just you know incredible in, in that way yeah so yeah. personal too you know people aren't really um casual dark crystal fans they're <laughs> they either don't get it because it's just not for them or they fall in love with it right they just you know they're not they're not one of us man but but those of us who are fans it's usually something very personal and very important you know you don't really hear a lot of stories from fans in the community who are just like yeah i saw it i thought it was cool whatever you know i got a poster of it and i just think it's cool looking it's always something super personal whether it's about like yours where it's a connection with the character that was very personal to your childhood struggles and the battles you fought every day but also you know to the people out there who aspire to be puppeteers or to be artists or to be makers then the movie is personal to them because it inspired them to explore their craft and um because of what a feat of puppetry and artistry it is and so there's so many reasons to become invested in it emotionally and on a personal level and hup really embodies that just the because he's so even though he's he's a little potato he's so human (laughs) in a lot of ways we feel for him everything from you know i i saw bits of my childhood self in him in the earlier scenes when he's you know really trying to convince you like this spoon is my sword i am a paladin like i'm not playing pretend this is very real to me i'm like yeah that was 100 percent me as a kid you know playing make-believe but it was not make-believe like that was real and i'm you know you will take this seriously i am important and then also you know from the moments where he's feeling seasick or sand sick and he's barfing his brains out and (laughs) hop want die like how many times have we as human beings had moments where we felt like (laughs) want die (laughs) like it's just so um He's, he's such a human little guy, and it's it's just, he's so much more to this franchise than I think any of us expected before the show dropped. Absolutely, yeah, because I think, you know, we, we all thought, well, it's just mainly going to be about Gelflings. I didn't really think about much about the Podlings at all, like even during, yeah, I didn't even, yeah, like I knew, oh, maybe that'd be in the background or whatnot, you know, there might be an episode about about podlings or just you know just their presence being in the show but i didn't think that you'd actually have you know i you know a character like hop a podling um you know uh, part of the supporting cast essentially and um and yeah and is definitely a big player you know with with everything that happens in yeah. the show yeah and you know what else too jim henson would have absolutely adored hop he's the kind of character that Jim Henson would have made and created. And if Jim Henson were alive to see how his favorite project he ever worked on that he was the most proud of, his words, it's the project he was the proudest of, to see how it evolved today, I think Hup would have been one of his favorite things about it. It's just a character that is just pure Jim Henson. Um, it's just... I even sort of in his hair a little bit there's you know i think that the choices of hup's design a little bit sort of call back to that young um hippie artist that jim henson was and um you know he's just he's got that jim spirit and i think that's another reason why 
we all love him so much is because I think we can sense that, you know, they really brought to life a little bit of, of Jim back to us. It's awesome. Yeah. The, like the, the spirit, like, yeah, with, with Jim, so lives on like w- with the dark crystal and, um, like imagine if Harp had a beard, like, or like, but I know that there's been that whole thing about, um, uh, with Gelflings having beards, uh, especially on that prophecy. So I'm like, I wonder if they'll take a bit of inspiration from, from Jim, you know, but you know, if we get a, more stories with, uh, all these characters and, you know, bring the beard out, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, Hup had to recover up at the circle of seven sons, you know, he, that's when last we saw him, he was up there recovering from his, uh, injuries and stuff. So maybe in a few months he's going to emerge and be a little hairier, <laughs> a little hairy potato. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, yeah, but yeah. Sorry, so so going back, yeah, I I think like you know it, it really lives up to the name of you know Jim Jim Hansen's The Dark Crystal Age of Resistance. Um, yeah, I definitely yeah I definitely agree that you know had he you know had he still be around today, I think he would have been amazed by the accomplishments that were made with the show, giving everyone a pat on the back and just like you know you just you you all did brilliantly. Um, you know in in bringing that world to, to life that you know for for many of us we'd never imagined that it, it would have ever happened you know it was just the one film we had hoped for a sequel um and of course things fell through but we never imagined that we would have gotten what we got you know with with this show and um and i think you know when it when i when they brought the show back and it's just, well, you know, when, when it came out and I think, you know, we're, we're just, we're all craving, you know, we just, we just want more, more of these stories, you know, and I really hope that they get that other chance, you know, another chance to uh, wrap up the story as intended and um, yeah, just got to wait and see, but you know, let's see how we, those we Emmys go tomorrow. Hopefully know the answer by now, but yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah Fingers yeah. crossed for tomorrow. Um, I mean, I know those of you listening now are listening from the future and we don't know yet, but um I really hope that when you guys are listening to this and the Emmys have happened, it's we're all we're all happy and relieved that that the Emmys went the way we want them to go, and that we're not all angry when <laughs> time you hear this. Because, um, but either way, you know, whatever happens, at the end of the day, whether or not they get that Emmy, and we all know that they deserved more nominations than just the one. That's a whole other, you know, discussion in itself, but. But no matter how it goes, we as the fans know that this was a massive win. This was a huge accomplishment. We've talked a million times about how Jim Henson would be proud and this 100% lives up to his name. And, um, you know, they had the Frouds 100% involved in this every bit as as with the original movie and more so because they had Toby. Um, And in that way, it's already a success it's already a win it's already a massive accomplishment but it would just be really nice to get that extra validation to ensure that we get more you know i i just really hope that this shows the everyone involved that it doesn't have to end here nobody wants it to end here like it let's not let it be another 30 years before we get more (laughs) exactly yeah yeah oh goodness yeah i know i think I don't know if I can wait that long, you know. I just, will be 60 oh, at yeah. that point. Yeah. I know. I probably, yeah, 60, 70. I or, wasn't even yeah. born yet when the Remember movie back came in out. those days? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I used to watch Dark Crystal on VHS and... 
<laughs> all of our robot children all will be like, what's services? a VHS? <laughs> yeah, no. Kids are already saying yeah, that exactly. now. Like, yeah, totally, yeah. <laughs> anyway, we're... Uh, and, and who knows, and who knows, I know, and who knows what happen in, you know, the technology, you know, the things in 30 or 40 years time, if they, if we have to wait for that long. We'll um, all be cyborgs. I know there's been, yeah. We'll be yeah, watching exactly, Netflix yeah. from our own, like, brains. We don't even need TVs anymore. They'll just directly download new Dark Crystal content into our corneas. <laughs> Fine. Yeah, exactly. I'll buy it. Yeah, I know, I know. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever I can get. <laughs> no. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. So I think I think I think we'll wrap up for this episode of um, Trial by Stone. But we'll we'll definitely be back. We there's still a few things that we um, there's still a lot of moments that we didn't get around to the chatting about Hup. Um, so we'll definitely be back with a part two. Uh, we'll definitely be inviting. Of course, Jamie will be on because I know this is such a big one of his favorite characters. So there will be a part two discussion, of course, and. Um, Again, thank you so much and definitely stay tuned for more Trial by Stone. If you'd like to get in contact with the show, you can do so at darkcrystalpodcast at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash darkcrystalpodcast. Follow us on Instagram at darkcrystalpodcast and on Twitter at darkcrystalpod. If you'd like to support the show, subscribe to the podcast write a review on apple podcasts and consider being our patreon supporter at patreon.com forward slash dark crystal podcast thank you all so much and stay tuned for the next episode of trial by stone This podcast is brought to you by ThamesCon, bringing conventions to Oxford and London, including the Great Conjunction, the first ever dark crystal convention in the world. For more information, visit their website at www.thegreatconjunction.com.